Hey guys, welcome to the 51st episode of the Learning Podcast. And if you aren't sure, it's a Singaporean podcast dedicated to learning something new from every single guest on this show. And today I have a very special guest I met through LinkedIn. Alex, thanks so much for taking the time. Hey, it's good to be here, JJ. I'm really appreciative because uh, actually a lot of people that I ask, right, uh, they don't really want to come down because it's very far, but I'm really appreciative for the fact that you've taken time. A little context about Alex. I've written some notes here. He is a consultant trainer for businesses and individuals in the fitness, health and wellness space. And I can dare say that Alex is definitely one of the fittest guests <laughs> I had on this podcast. He's so jacked. And the reason why he's so fit, right, because sports was a big part of his life. He represented Singapore at the Sea Games as a water polo player. So I think that the journey to representing your country, right, is something that I won't ever have the experience of doing so. But um, Alex himself has been on, on a lot of other podcasts as well. And I'll just leave a bunch of other podcasts that he has shared about his water polo experience as a sports person and kind of lessons that he learned from it. So I would say that maybe this podcast won't be too much about his, about his sports experience. Other context about Alex, he's very passionate about community building. He has done a lot of things. And I would say that the career trajectory of him is quite unconventional. He was involved in the fitness space for a while. He was working at TJC as a fitness fitness water polo coach. Uh, it was a physical education teacher. Phys- yeah. Yeah. P- so PE teacher. PE teacher, P- teacher yeah. right? Then he went to work at Thailand in the hospitality industry, which I think like it's like almost a 180 turn to be honest. <laughs> so I was like, how did that even come about? I think, and I never had a conversation with someone who worked in Thailand before as a foreigner. So I'm very interested to find out about that as well. And the hospitality industry is something that I don't really have a very good understanding of. So he was a general manager and managing director of some of the resorts there as well. So I'm just interested to know from a very broad perspective, how is it like? So if you're interested in the hospitality industry, I think that there's some lessons to be learned as well. And a little bit more context. Yes, he's very passionate about community building. He's a co-founder of Kampung Collective. It builds and trains community builders uh, all around uh, all around Asia, is it? Actually, for Kampung Collective, we are a community for community builders. Oh, the exception. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So not so much a... Um, a, a platform to train people, but it's a community or platform to gather people together to connect and also to share best practices, uh, sharing connections and networks and uh, just to build authentic relationships on see, seeing how we can help each other in our own community building journeys. Speaking of communities, right? I'm in a podcast community by Raven. So I think a common <laughs> mutual connection that you have is Raven. As a Raven is also part of Come Come Collective, yes, right? Yes, she is. Yes. Uh, so I was like, I think the art. I was. I had a catch up session with Alex on a on a Zoom Zoom or Google Hangout, right? And he and he shared about the power of community, and I think it, I really strongly resonate with that, Other context about Alex. He's also the co-founder of. I'm not sure if I pronounce it correctly. I'm apologize. Avantia Wellness. Avantia Wellness. Avantia Wellness. Yeah. Where its mission is to help individuals with pain relief, sleep enhancement, energy improvement, and optimize well being. So. I think in the realms of biohacking, I'm not sure if you guys are familiar with the term, right? I think there's a lot of things, small things you could do on a daily basis to optimize your health, your well-being, right? And fitness to me or your body, taking care of your body, uh, paying attention to what you eat. I feel I feel like I've been poisoned for the past 18 years because I feel like I, I didn't take any attention to like what I was eating. I was eating a lot of junk food, all that kind of stuff. I'm very skinny as well, skinny fat. So I think I'm only beginning to understand what is nutrition, how to build muscles, all that kind of stuff. But of course, I know you're like super ex- uh, expert at it, but I think it's very important to take care of our bodies. And I just wanted to have a stick on, let's say, a 101 to what does it take to do simple things when it comes to biohacking and just optimizing your life to a certain extent. 
a couple of reasons why I think this podcast will be helpful if you're interested in the hospitality industry and working in Thailand. I, I think there's very little people who have that experience, so I think that would be quite interesting. The second uh, reason would be a biohacking. I'm very interested in pattern recognition. So from his experience, he has worked with many businesses, many individuals in terms of optimizing their well-being. So I'm interested to know what kind of patterns have he seen across all his clients and maybe there's a thing or two that we can learn from this podcast. And the third section of this podcast will be about life. And the reason why I inserted this section, I know it's quite random, right? Right now, I'm actually taking a, like a life purpose-ish course that my company actually paid for, VaynerMedia paid for, is this program called Inner You. And they're asking a lot of difficult questions, in my opinion, in the course to allow um, participants to have a greater clarity in where they're going in their career, career relationships, finance, and all that kind of stuff. So um, this section will be just broad questions that, to be honest, I just copied based on the course, but I'm just very interested in, let's say, on the topic of finding your life purpose. This is such a big thing. I have, I, I'm only starting to understand. So I feel that people like you have, have sort of been clearer with what your life purpose is. And I just wanted to know your story of arriving there in the first place. Aside from that, I think there's a lot of things to learn about relationships as well. Uh, uh, Alex was telling me that he went through a divorce at 25? 26. 26, which is very, very, yeah. very young. So I think there's a lot of... Um, lessons that, you, that that could be learned because I'm sure that going through a divorce is something very painful. So just general life principles, okay? Sorry for the long trend. I know it's a very long introduction. <laughs> uh, Alex, for those listeners that don't know who you are, in your own words, is there anything you want to add on? Um, that's a very lengthy introduction, right, JJ? So first of all, thank you for having me, right? Um, right now, I'm on the verge of uh, launching my own consultancy. So Aviary & Co. is my consultancy. You said it right. I am a consultant, uh, trainer slash coach in the fitness health wellness space. Um, I am launching in January 2021. And since I've been slowly um, releasing information about my launch from my logo to my name card uh, to the website, which is going to be happening soon, I've already been having so much interest like, hey, what's this you're going to be doing? Uh, maybe we can work together, right? So even before I launched my company, so uh, <laughs> that I'm pitching already for proposals and doing jobs, right? Uh, so it's very, very good. I'm very, very uh, happy with what uh, I planned in terms of the runway. So that's what I'm working on, launching in January. Um, being co-founder of Avantia Wellness, right? Uh, talking about optimization and achieving uh, better well-being as well as peak performance. So that is with regard to red light therapy. So that is something that I am involved in or I have been involved in for the past one and a half years. Um, yeah, so that's what I'm doing. Um, you mentioned co-founder of Kampung Collective. Yes, that's that. Uh, I have... A live broadcast called Lost at 40. Mm. Um, oh. Kopi, Kopi chat with Alex. So this is a conversation that I have with guests that would be able to contribute on anything to do with health, retirement, career, uh, parenting slash caregiving. So this is specifically for men in their 40s who are so-called lost lah, because I'm, I'm in my early 40s and I thought that there actually could possibly be a lot of men out there that would be having similar issues but maybe don't have a platform to listen about it or uh, don't have a platform to actually even ask questions about it. Yeah, I have three other uh, live interview, not live interviews, three other podcast sessions or video podcast sessions that uh, Community Builders Speak is one. Uh, so that's uh, in the fitness, health, wellness space. I am working on Athletes Grid from Sports to Life. That's something that I shared with you earlier. So that I'm going to convert into a podcast podcast. 
So that's not going to be a video uh, interview series. And the final one that I am going to be starting, hopefully in 2021, is called Fitness Hustle, Your Dream Career. So that one is really to get people who are aspiring to be fitness instructors to learn from my fitness instructors who will be on my uh, podcast on you know how they've managed to be successful whether they were in their 20s 30s 40s or whatever and made a career out of being a fitness instructor so that's one of the main barriers right right now when it, when you're in university and you tell your mom or dad hey i want to be a fitness instructor hey i want to start my own uh, boutique gym you're going to tell you xiao you know i send you to school four years you know how much 30 40 60k that i, I spend on you and you want to go and start something like that so uh, increasingly i think um, there are a lot of success stories out there and you need not necessarily aspire to be a boutique gym owner that need not be the end goal, right? The, you could just be a fitness instructor being happy whatever you're doing and also doing all these other things on the side. So we'll hear from the guests and I want people out there, whether it's undergrads or whether it's people, career change, right? In the 20s, career change, 30s, career change, 40s also can career change, right? That actually being a, a fitness instructor uh, is something possible for you to do to be able to retire comfortably, mm. yeah. Okay, you got so much going on, my gosh. Okay, I think you have three forecasts. Okay, going all the way back, right? Um, you spent quite a lot of time at TJC, right? As yes, a PE yes. teacher, right? Can, mm -hmm. can you just maybe share the thought process? Just share the story of how, how, why were you at TJC? And how did you transit to being a general manager of all these kind of hotel resorts? In sure, Thailand? sure. Right. Um, I started out as a teacher, a PE teacher, because mm. actually my first job was as a professional uh, water polo player. So I, re I represented Singapore, but I was training full-time uh, for two years before I became a physical education teacher. And all along, I knew that I didn't want a desk-bound job. So, and all along, I knew that I wanted to be still involved in sport in some way. And I was fairly active in church at that point in time and very active with the youth ministry as well. So connecting well with teenagers was something I thought was, uh, I enjoyed, right? At the same time, I was also wanting to do something in sports. So I said, hey, why not education, right? So I applied and I was successful. And so, and then... Two years of studying at, at NIE, uh, PESS, uh, Physical Education Sports Science uh, Institute at NIE. And yeah, then I was at TJC for eight years. Um, when I left, I was in my early 30s. Uh, the growth trajectory for me in terms of personal development when I was in Tamansi JC, I think was uh, a, a key foundation for me in terms of my values. So having started in a ministry, having started in education really helped to seal the values that uh, I think has helped me be who I am today. Right, And as much as um, some people think or feel that, hey, teachers only do the same thing day in, day out, right? Actually, teaching as a career, I, I wrote an article, right? 10 reasons why uh, teaching should be your first profession. And then I listed out all the, the things that uh, actually help you uh, or train you, right? To prepare you for uh, the dark side, which is a private sector. Wow, right? the yeah. dark side. <laughs> okay. Yeah, but um, yeah, so... Uh, from leadership to multitasking to mentorship to coaching, everything I learned and honed as a teacher. And uh, I think that really uh, helped me uh, be who I am 
today. Right. And the reason why I left, right? The, in the eight years that I was in teaching, I actually started a few businesses. So retail, F&B, uh, marketing. Ice agency. cream shop, right? Yes, ice cream shop, yeah. right? At Haji Lane. We were the second shop to open, uh, in Haji Lane. And then, um, uh, a tuition agency tried to do that. That failed miserably. But all along, Ichi backside cannot keep still. I want to do more than whatever else I was doing as a full-time job. And when I left, uh, a few reasons, lah, huh? I'll, I'll, share, I'll share with you. One was, uh, I felt that the age gap was getting bigger uh, between me and the students. But in actual fact, I was just getting older and you know, not being able to keep up with the times. right? So with that, there was a bit of disconnect. And I saw some of my uh, colleagues, ex-colleagues, uh, which I'm still very close to right now in their 50s. And I'm like, I don't think I can be uh, this 50-year-old uncle excuse me, or auntie, and still be dealing with students at this age, right? So I wanted to leave before it uh, got too late for me to feel this illusion. And since I was already feeling uh, like there was a disconnect, I, I started searching, right? Uh, so that's one of the reasons. <coughs> the other reason is that um, when, when I left, I was head of department for student leadership. A lot of the work I was doing was in character development, uh, training students for uh, career, uh, how to manage uh, interviews in careers and how to actually be surviving out there in the private sector. But at the same time, uh, I didn't have that private sector experience. So I felt insecure. I felt uh, inadequate. And even though I had good connections and networks with uh, people in the different sectors and uh, industries, I, I just felt that I wasn't good enough for my job, right? And I was very well-trained, uh, facilitation, coaching, uh, attended a lot of courses and all that. Very, very well-read as well, right? In terms of self-help books. But I, I still felt that it wasn't sufficient. Lah. So it was also at this point that I was searching, should I go and do my master's? Should I do this? Should I do that? And then I realized that, okay, lah, I think I'll just leave. Right? So I had the opportunity to go to Thailand to work because uh, someone in church knew that I was uh, looking to leave. Oh, okay. So that's that connection. That's that connection from, from church, okay. right? And uh, he said that, hey, you know, I've got this opportunity, and we're looking for a Singaporean um, to uh, jaga the team there, uh, and don't need that experience. It's most important is someone we can trust, and I know I can trust you. So that was what he told me, and I said, okay, like opportunity to go, why not, right? So timing was right. And that's when I left. So when I left uh, to go to... Sorry, if, if yeah. I may just backtrack, right? <laughs> because I myself have many friends who um, are interested in becoming teachers and are existing teachers themselves. So when it came to your thought process of like scratching your own age in terms of like trying all our other businesses, right? Is there any kind of advice you would give to let's say early teachers in their career? Because um, I was a teaching intern for a while. Then when I entered, I see a lot of teachers that are jaded. Mm -hmm. maybe, maybe it's not specific to like fitness as well, but they feel very jaded in terms of the kinds of impact that they can um, give to their students. Okay, maybe I was teaching in a neighborhood school and I saw, I wanted to become a teacher. Mm -hmm. But then when I saw most of the teachers being jaded themselves, right, I, this was, I decided then and there that I'm not going to go into teaching because this is not the kind of environment that I want to be in. Mm -hmm. So I was just like, is there any kind of advice would you give to, let's say people, uh, existing teachers that are in their career and maybe... Not to say that they are second guessing on their choice, whether they want to stay there because it's a very comfortable thing and in a sense become disillusioned with the kind of safety nets that they are equipped with. But mm -hmm. just the kind of general advice you would give to young teachers out there. Mm, I, I did a session on personal leadership just uh, two weeks ago. And um, I think that at the end of the day, 
your company, kudos to your company, you know, for sending you on this uh, purpose, yeah. Yeah, I was purpose like, building like, why, course, why, why right? Why is company doing this? Yeah, so uh, in fact, a friend of mine also company uh, arranged for something like that and that's also when he realised that uh, being in that job was not his purpose and he actually left. Yeah, it's like yeah. weird, right? The, okay. No, but it's good, you know, that the company really wants uh, the employees to know why they're doing what they're doing. So I think at the end of the day, it's important to understand uh, uh, your purpose uh, for, for those out there listening and why are you why do you live eat breathe why every day quickly? right yeah you know and why are you uh, um, uh, why, why do you why do you wake up every day excited to, to be doing right and many people including myself including myself will say oh family right oh, oh my children I want to see them go to university I want to see them graduate I want to hold my grandchild in my hands and all that right but and, and or some people will have mortgage to pay, right? Yes. A house, a car, whatever. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, if you were to strip down all of these, right? And if the world only had you and you didn't have all of these possessions and you didn't have uh, a family or whatever to care for, what then would you still be living for? I think that is the essential question, right? Or what's your mission in life? I think that's something that you need to ask. And yes, no doubt, there will be times in your career not just in teaching, I, I believe in any job where you feel jaded, you feel whatever, but then what are the sort of support structures that you have in place to actually keep you going? And that's where the resilience part comes in, right? So what are the support structures? Are these structures provided by the uh, company organization or are these structures provided by the people around you? So you need to be aware. I think self-awareness is one of the key things of personal leadership. So having that self-awareness to know where you, what, what, what role do you play in, in the environment that you're in. And if you are aware of that, then it's a lot easier to understand that purpose, that clarity, and it helps you or helps uh, helps point you in a better direction in terms of the compass on where you should be heading or headed for. And, you know, the question that you asked was, uh, you know, I was involved in a lot of things and all that. So you don't actually need to be involved in a lot of things to understand uh, where you possibly want to be headed. But I think you need to understand yourself uh, the most, it so happens that by doing more things, you understand yourself a bit more, right? Uh, but that doesn't mean that you cannot be self-reflective on your own, doing things on your own and, you know, reading self-help books or, you know, attending causes or whatever and, and having that sort of realization on your own. So don't beat yourself over not having a purpose, not understanding what you want in life and you know that time will come but you need to do the homework you cannot expect all of this to be falling on your lap without you doing the research doing the homework uh, listening to podcasts like this right or even doing your own research and speaking to people which is why coaching as well as mentorship is quite a a strong uh, I'm quite a strong advocate for, for that and I had good mentors when I was in education right my vice principals my head of department and they provided a safe environment for me to fail. And by having that safe environment for me to fail, I actually picked myself up quite quickly and I learned from all of those experiences. But, you know, like I mentioned, the dark side, right? If you're on the dark side and you fail, you know, you're going to be, you you probably get the the sack, right? And maybe no bonus or whatever. And then, uh, so it's very different depending on which industry or which sector that you're in. Yeah, so hope I answered that question. When it comes yeah. to the kind of advice you give to young teachers, mm-hmm. that uh, I'm just uh, my experience when I went in, right? I saw a lot of young teachers that are like jaded. Any advice for them specifically? Or I think advice? for I mean for the people that 
you need to understand why you're teaching in the first place, right? I know it's cliche to say that, oh, you know, to mold young lives and do that. But it is true, right? So you just need to go back down to why you applied to do it in the first place. If you applied to do it because you, there was nothing else for you to apply for, okay, maybe at that point in time or that stage of your life, you needed something to tide you over. doesn't matter. Then you realign and rethink, okay, then what? At this current point in your life, at this this stage of your life, what is the purpose? What is the real purpose after realizing that? So some people need time to realize what they don't want. Some people immediately know what they want. Some people need to try 100 things before they realize that it's 99 things that they don't want and they, they want that particular one thing. So just if, you, if you're in that situation, then maybe it is time to explore other options uh, and to, to understand what the other options are, it's really to understand your, your strengths, your, your skill sets that you actually are good at doing and how are you going to be able to translate and align that to another industry or another vertical. And that's what I managed to do. And to be honest with you, I didn't immediately know that. It's only now, 20 years after that, I realized that, oh yes, okay, that is something that I did correctly, thankfully, uh, and uh, for me to be to have been successful in the different roles that I've played since I left education, and, and because for me, I like we are so occupied with the day to day things, right? Where I don't even make the time to like, okay, I need to prioritize, and that's where like when I got into this course, like, I never have never taken the time to reflect. So I mean, I mean, I'm taking the time to reflect right now, right? So yeah, I think everyone should reflect on the note, right? Because I know if you transition from being a teacher into this very uncertain world, mm -hmm. like. I mean, how do you deal with that uncertainty or it, or did uh, you would say pain of you being in TJC was something that you didn't no longer wanted and you were willing to embrace this kind of uncertainty? Going to a foreign country, I think going to a foreign country itself is like, wow, do you speak Thai? I, I, I had to learn Thai oh, okay. oh yeah, during that time. But of course, my Thai is very colloquial and you know, ah. now that I haven't spoken it for a long time, mm. I've forgotten a lot. But mm. um, one, one key phrase you know, that uh, was ringing in my head that sort of sealed the deal for me when I left teaching was the, the regret of um, not leaving would be greater than the regret of having left and uh, regretting it. So that's the regret something. of not leaving will be greater. Yes, the regret of not leaving would be greater than the regret of uh, having left and regretting it. Right. So, um, I mean, if I leave and I, 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 I fail and I'm not successful, I can always go back, right? It's not something that I, maybe uh, my, my, my career trajectory will not be as smooth as before, but I will still be able to get an inroad into education, even if it's not government, maybe private or maybe tertiary. Dark side. <laughs> <laughs> so that is how I saw it. So the, it's not the end of the road at any one point. And with your question of uh, the uncertainty, actually I thought, it, I found it fun, right? The uncertainty fun. for me was fun, right? Okay. Uh, you know, I, I don't know what's going to happen, you know, uh, what's, what, what do I need to do? You know, all these things that I need to learn. So that was exciting for me, right? I needed to learn about architecture, uh, interior design, something which I was uh, already very uh, passionate about. But, you know, the, the procurement side, you know, the construction side. So a lot of things, but it was exciting for me. And I, I enjoyed meeting new people. So it was in the course of all of this that I realized that, hey, you know, what is it that I really like to do? I like to meet new people. And I like to understand new cultures. And I like to understand where people are coming from. And I like to be able to meet the needs of different 
individuals as well as businesses. And which is why now I'm starting my consultancy, right? Because I, I realize my purpose, right? And, and I'm happy doing whatever I'm doing. Uh, I think at the end of the day, if you're happy doing whatever you're doing, uh, work will not count as work and you don't actually dread doing whatever you're doing. Of course, there will be stuff nitty gritty, like maybe the admin stuff or maybe finance stuff that you don't like or whatever stuff that you don't like. But it's still um, a, a drastically smaller percentage compared to what you would be doing if you had a manager or boss or supervisor or yeah, telling you exactly what you need to do and the job scope is uh, predetermined for you. Mm. Yeah. I mean, I can tell that you think about all this internally, but when it comes to, let's say, I'm just curious of your, let's say your wife's reaction to you oh, on go Thailand or your, your family, your siblings, your close friends, I'm going to Thailand like, I, th- I will assume that, of course, the decision for you to leave the country and go to Thailand was mainly your own. But I'm just curious on their reaction. And uh, like, are, you a, are you the kind of person that also keeps in consideration of what they think as well when it comes to your career decision? So yeah, I just wanted to hear you, from you their thoughts and how, how they responded to your decision in leaving the country. Because when people leave the country, I, I'm, I'm, just, I'm just saying from like maybe a university person perspective, right? Like, oh, you want to leave the country? Just, oh, I've met many friends going to Silicon Valley, Europe countries, <laughs> New York, America. That's a dream, right? Thailand, exotic, very, very interesting. So like, like how, how did they respond? I think everybody um, at some point relishes the idea of living overseas, whether it's studying or working. Uh, I don't know. Some people might might want to be in a metropolis. You know, uh, uh, some people want to be in a slightly more backward third world uh, country. But I mean, for me, it was just the opportunity. Like, it didn't matter where the country was. But um, family-wise, very supportive, definitely. Um, at that time, it was not even my fiancé. So at that time that I left, it was my girlfriend. Right, which is my current wife. And um, yeah, uh, that was one of the, the biggest mistakes I made, I, I would say, like, because I didn't really consult her in this and I made this decision on my own. Yeah, so this was something that um, actually uh, caused a little bit of uh, strain in the relationship because it was then going to be a long distance. So even though... Oh, she wasn't moving over as She well. wasn't moving over as well. So there was a bit of a strain in the relationship in the wow. few first two years, especially that I was there. Um, but we kept things going strong. And yeah, I mean... Uh, the well, you, At the time, you didn't have a child yet? No, no, oh, okay, no, okay. no. This, so was in 20, this was in twenty. 13 and oh. my girl was only born in 2018 so five years later oh yeah yeah so so that is that is um actually was she my i think she was already my fiance yeah. <laughs> because we took we, it was a long time between uh getting engaged and uh getting married. getting married and part of the reason was because of the strain in the relationship yeah so that's i think that was my biggest mistake and uh i mean very uh, and I'm very very grateful that you know my my fiance my my wife it, she's super understanding right mm. and uh, no definitely uh, the best decision I've ever made was to uh, marry to meet her to to get married and now you know I'm we've got a little girl uh, mm. and yeah hopefully more to come soon <laughs> okay, okay okay any lessons from this kind of string I I feel like long distance relationship. It's a very, very tough thing. Like, yeah, like, for just, sure. Just, yeah. I mean, how do you even healthily maintain a long-distance relationship in your opinion? Okay, technically everyone, every couple has their own different dynamics of how they communicate. Like, but when it comes to you, what were kind of specific, I know it's a bit weird, but what kind of, kind of specific challenges do you meet? Because 
wow, you didn't even you didn't even really strongly consult with her, and yet she was like someone that was honestly close to you as well, and you still dare to make that. Okay, I'm gonna go to Thailand. Like, wow. Yeah. So that was that was a uh, it was a rash decision on my part. Uh, how, how short was this time frame between TJ and going to Thailand? Um, I think one month. Wow, one yeah, month. One month. That's so yeah. fast. Yeah, one month. Uh, wow. uh, but of course, the first few months there of going to Thailand was was still a, a transition period, right? So it was like two weeks there and then two weeks back, and slowly we needed to settle the work visas and all that. So that needed time to get settled. But um, yeah, so she was very understanding. Like, I mean, of course, she was fuming mad. To, to start with right so thinking back about that I feel really bad uh, but I think it, it were, I was I think for lack of a better word self-centered or selfish because I wanted to go uh, overseas and I made the decision to do it um, and expecting to convince her as opposed to consulting and then making that decision together you get what I mean? So advice for those people out there is to actually be, to communicate and to consult with each other before making decisions. And I mean, I'm going to fast forward this to, you know, being a father, uh, a husband right now. And uh, it is very important to make decisions for the family unit. And even if it's husband and wife, it's already a family unit. So don't make decisions based on you as an individual. Right, I'll make decisions based on the family unit and the relationship will definitely be a lot uh, happier and I believe it will be a lot more sustainable as well. Right? So communication is key, right? And everyone talks about, you know, in a relationship, whether it's a marriage or it's, you know, a, a non-married couple, definitely you need to communicate, you need to talk about uh, worries, concerns, uh, aspirations and all of that, not just with yourself, but also with for the other party. And so that's, that's, that's my piece of advice for, for young people out there. <laughs> uh, what do you do on a daily basis when, daily basis when you are a general manager? Because like, what do you do? There's so many moving parts in the organization, right? So how do you even begin to educate yourself when you didn't have this background in the first place to being a general manager and managing director honestly is a very high up position. So the general, the managing director role only came at a later stage. And the reason why I was hired to be general manager, so I was actually hired initially to launch the service apartment. So it was a hundred room service apartment. And um, I took one and a half years to launch it. And this role was not a hospitality role. But it was only after launching the service apartment that the brand owners said, hey, you know, Alex, you know this place inside out. You've slept on every bed. You've showered in every cubicle, you know. Uh, and why not you help to hire the team? And after you hire the team, you can manage the team as well. So I, for me, you know, if you, I have an opportunity to do something like that, why not? So I grabbed it immediately. And I said, yeah, sure, you know, let's do it. And yeah, and team, I, I think my team was about 30 plus 40 people. So sizable team. And because I was not hospitality trained, a lot of things that I was doing was slightly different. And I think the team, which were mostly hospitality uh, trained, found it uh, refreshing. And we actually managed to uh, do fairly well. In the year 2017 that I left, we won Best Service Apartment uh, Thailand. So that was uh, quite an achievement for me. It was also the year that I left 
uh, hospitality. Mm. Yeah, so when you say doing things differently from the hospitality industry, I mean, could you share it? Like, are you in, like putting your fitness, sports mentality into doing stuff? I, I don't know, like things are Right, right. I, I think it was more from a marketing uh, perspective, from a uh, lead generation uh, business development perspective, you know, the sort of uh, engagement activities that uh, I proposed for the team to do uh, were, when you say lead generation is mainly getting people to yes live. yes lead oh. generation so getting people to live so because we were a service apartment we were more of a long stay uh, up to like a couple of years no no months. long stay is in uh, minimum oh. of uh, three months stay yeah uh, for some is minimum of one month stay so different different pricing uh, different programs that we would roll out but at the same time, uh, we were also looking to be a little bit more imaginative and inventive to still have some uh, daily stay people uh, living or coming to stay. Yeah, so that, that was the innovative uh, part. Uh, it's treading on uh, a grey line, right, in terms of how we can approach uh, the situation. Yeah, so that was, uh, that's what I mean by being a little bit more uh, Thinking out of the box, yeah. Oh, like allowing people to stay on like on a very short term basis and playing around the rules of that. Oh, yes, okay, okay, yes. I got it, got yeah. It. yeah. So whereas if it were maybe a traditional hotelier, uh, he or she would say, "No way, you know, we can't do that." Right? But because I am a rookie, you know, uh, doing things differently, doing things differently. Advantage. Yeah. So that was the that was the uh, the advantage lah that that I had and. Which for me, it's like, just give it a try, right? You know, if it doesn't work, then, or if the, somebody uh, makes any noise, then we stop, stop it, lah, right? So that was what uh, we did. And yeah, we were successful in that. Uh, and um, you asked, you know, what I do on a daily basis. Uh, in, in hotels, uh, it's always, it's very normal to have a morning meeting or a morning brief. So that always happens early, uh, depending on what time everybody starts, 8, 8.39. And that's really about reporting what, what's the occupancy, you know, any issues that cropped up uh, yesterday, you know, what's our revenue at this current point, you know, uh, and who's checking in today. So that were the sort of things that we would talk about uh, in, in the day. And then after that, um, I like to walk around and meet my uh, hotel guests. So I would move around, you know, welcome them, check them in, you know. Uh, so that is the sort of thing that happens in the morning. And then there's lunch. And then lunch could be outside, lunch could be inside, uh, indoors. Uh, outside would be literally I meet, I'm, I'm meeting, I'm doing a business uh, meeting or collaboration or a partnership sort of meeting. And afternoon would be coming back to check emails and attend to, there might be department meetings or whatever. So lots of meetings. I think, you know, as a, a, a senior management, there are a lot of meetings that you need to be present for. That was uh, pretty much, and at the end of the day, there would be events. Uh, one event every other week, right, that I would want to attend or that I would need to attend. And that some of it is really show face kind of events. Some of the events are really, oh yeah, you know, uh, it's a it's a nice gala. You know, it's good to to be there to meet some friends and you know, whatever. Yeah, but um, having worked and lived there for four years, I made a lot of good friends. So even right up to now, we still keep in good touch, uh, good contact. Yeah, and I've gone back to Thailand a few times already to attend different weddings mm. of friends there. Yeah, when you talk about like re reporting a senior management, I are they like ties? Um, like, because it's like quite it, a it's a it's team. a good 
it's a good mix. Yeah. So the the person I was reporting to, there was a Singaporean, uh, also a Thai, uh, Thai, two Thais actually, and one Singaporean. So mm. for different matters, mm. like some would be for operations, mm. some would be for finance, some would be for projection, uh, uh, and growing the business sort mm. of uh, meeting. So that was that was mm. the reporting structure. Mm. I mean, you have worked in TJC for eight years, right? Then now going into, I would say, the dark side, right? <laughs> what was the biggest difference in terms of like working culture, the working reports? Because um, I'm not sure if there's a big, I've never, I've briefly worked with ties before, but mm-hmm. like not so much. So I, I, I generally don't believe in like stereotypes or the ties work like that. Chinese people were like that. Singaporeans were like that. But, but just from your general perspective of spending eight years in like a ministry and coming to the dark side, <laughs> What was the biggest differences did you have and were there any like lessons you learned specific to your time in Thailand that um, was new compared to your time in TJC? I think that I shared earlier that being in uh, school, right, it's a very safe environment. So coming out, definitely it's it's a dog-eat-dog world, right? Anything you do, um, you're going to get your ass whipped, right? Or, you know, there could be somebody telling on you and, you know, you could or somebody could sabotage, right? That's actually very easy to happen. So um, coming out, um, I'm a very trusting person, so I, I needed to learn to be uh, less trusting. Wow. Yeah, and um, I also needed to be more cautious of uh, different individuals. Uh, so uh, everyone has their own agenda, but uh, it's about reading the person better. So that's something that I feel at the dark side, uh, but you need to learn on the job, right? So you need to get uh, yourself uh, burnt or, you know, experience something bad first before you you learn from from that experience. And um, specific to Thai culture, I think um, senior management-wise, I think it's very much the same as uh, in Singapore. But uh, it's more of, I guess, the people on the ground that are like a little bit more in Thai we call sabai sabai you know that means a bit more relaxed huh? oh okay <laughs> a bit relaxed Jack you know they will tell you you tell them the deadline is the end of the week by Nick by the end of the week they'll be like huh oh uh, yeah or they will tell you that you know yeah 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 every time is yeah 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 but you know uh, the work never gets done right so timelines always need to get pushed back because uh, of things like that right so but otherwise. Uh, Increasingly, I think corporate culture is pretty much the same, pretty but the it's same. Pe- people on the ground. Like I mean, when I deal with the construction guys, you know, uh, or, or when I deal with the um, housekeeping, you know, uh, yeah, that sort of thing. But um, it's always good to have uh, Thai uh, managers or heads of departments that are also managing uh, the guys on the ground. So then, you know, that gets uh, work done because uh, the another issue also is the language uh, problem. So even though we speak slowly. Uh, English or Singapore English is very understandable uh, compared to you know American English, uh, Australian English, or, or British English. Uh, but um, they will still get things wrong, and yeah. So that's something always that I've learned. You need to clarify, lah. So you know, it's like, can you repeat what I said? What mm-hmm. is it exactly that you are supposed to be doing? Because sometimes it's yes, 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 but then the work never gets done. And one of the reasons is always that oh, but I thought you you meant that or you know I thought that uh, misunderstanding yeah exactly yeah could you share, you talk about being burnt right? mm, mm. is there a story that you can share just in a very vague sense of of how you got burnt and the kind of corrective measures you took as a general manager I think there were many uh, small not that, yeah there were little small ones uh, no big ones that happened that you know 
caused me uh, a great uh, trauma. Okay. <laughs> yeah, but consequence. I, yeah, I, I think it's really about being selective of the people that you are open with, right? And um, yeah, not not being just being a bit more cautious, right? So um, there are extremes. Huh? I I know of individuals where they are super cautious. They don't want to meet new people. They they just keep to themselves and and all. And even when they meet new people, they are also um, very uh, this uh, they draw a fine line between uh, whether you're my friend, you're my acquaintance, or or, or you're my colleague, right? Uh, yeah. So I think there there needs to be a good balance, and I think every individual will find his or her own balance, and it's also personality uh, related, right? Yeah. So for me, uh, I had to hold back on that that, that trusting uh, nature, and uh, be more careful in terms of uh, what I say. Uh, what I do and also how I uh, portray myself. Yeah. Okay, okay, got it, got it. Any kind of last advice for you have for people interested to work in Thailand? I know this is a, like a very fake thing, but um, because I would probably never have the chance to work in Thailand, but uh, if so, is there any kind of things that people should look out for just working in Thailand? Um, that's specific to let's say the market in general I think that people wouldn't want to work in Thailand because of the dollar right you would want to go to Thailand for holiday yes right? yeah because uh, sing dollar one, one sing dollar is probably 22 uh, Thai baht and that's going to get you uh, something already with 22 Thai baht yeah so um, but that's it uh, see if you go to Thailand as a senior uh, management staff actually the salary is fairly comparable but if you go in as a junior like say a fresh grad or whatever it's probably not as uh, high right um, advice well if you for me it doesn't matter where it is like I mentioned right as long as you have the opportunity then just go right uh, living in a new place on your own making new friends uh, learning how to fend for yourself. I think these are important life skills and life lessons that everyone should should uh, experience at any point in their life. Yeah, It doesn't matter where it is. It could be in New York, it could be in Stockholm, it could be in Thailand, it could be in Vietnam or Malaysia even, right? It doesn't matter. Yeah. Got it, got it. Okay, so when it came to the transition of coming back to Singapore and doing what you wanted, what was the thought process? Like for when you changed from being a, a PE teacher from TJ to going out, then now coming back, what was that thought process that maybe it's time to come back and, and do something for myself? Or I remember you were working as a employee in the, like a sports, we work-ish. Yes, yeah. yes. So that came at a later, at a later okay. time actually. Um, the last year that I was in hospitality, I was already... Uh, back in Singapore. So the last six months, I was back in Singapore and actually tr still having to travel uh, to manage the other side. Um, and of course, I wanted to get married. So I, I didn't want the long distance anymore. And I had the opportunity to come back because the general manager managing the property in Singapore had uh, retired. So then I got the chance to, to The opportunity to opened up. Yes. Okay. Right. So wow. thankfully, right. And I, I think that stars aligned to a certain extent. And wow, then, so uh, lucky. I came back. And and, uh, it, and at the point already, the relationship with my fiancé was already very good because he was towards the later part already. And um, yeah, but coming back was good because uh, family, you know, uh, and, and a bit more stability in terms of uh, starting a family and all of that. Uh, but I left hospitality to join uh, a business that I had invested in. So an events management company. And my business partner at that point, 2017, said, hey, Alex, I think it's time for you to 
come out and we need to grow this brand. So we created a brand um, and this 2017 was the third year that we were running it. The first year we had 3,000 participants. Second year uh, in 2016, 9,000 participants. What kind of events were these? It's a um, marathon run, fun run kind of event. Oh, okay. Yeah. So the, the, the event uh, that uh, I, I don't mind sharing the name also, it's called the YOLO run. Mm. So with the YOLO run, we created 2015, 2016. And in the year 2017, I left hospitality to bring the brand to Malaysia, Thailand and Hong Kong. So 2017 was spent traveling to these uh, three cities mm. uh, and I launched the brand successfully in these three cities uh, with 4,000 people mm. uh, participating. Is it, is it those kind of experiential marathon which is like fun and all the kind of like... Um, uh, yes and no. Um, at the end of the day, it's the, it's the alignment of the, the, the vision of the event, you know, what we, we stand for, the values. Uh, and yeah, activity based in terms of what happens on that day itself lah. Yeah, and just think of the, like your Pokemon run or your whatever run. It's that sort of oh, run. Oh, it's that kind yeah, of event. Fun run. Um, but in the year 2017, uh, when, when we did it in uh, the three cities, it was a 5 and 10 km run. In Singapore, we had 15,000 people signing up uh, wow. in the year 2017. Oh, this is on a single day, is it? Or like a, like yes, a yes, on a single day. Yeah. Wow, the logistics behind it must be crazy. <laughs> yes, yes, yeah. And actually... 2017 was also the, the uh, uh, a bad, a very bad year for me because the event was a disaster. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, I remember you briefly shared about yes, it. Yes, yes. It was a disaster. So um, everything that could have gone wrong went wrong. And uh, yeah. I, I, I mean, could you give a list of what went wrong? Like, Well, the baggage, baggage, there were not enough racks for bags. You know, there were, um, the route was uh, short. Um there was a lot of overcrowding in areas. People coming in from through the security counter was, the queue was like 30 minutes long. Um, yeah, everything was bad. Like there, was, there, was not, there was not enough water at the water points or, or whatever. Like everything that could have gone wrong went wrong. Yeah, and it was a terrible time for me. And uh, I was the face of the brand. So I got all the backlash on social media. Very traumatic. Uh, I mean, yeah, and, and at that point or after that event, uh, there was also a misalignment in terms of uh, vision direction with my business partner and uh, also a lot of things that I, I, inconsistencies with the business. And so I decided to leave. Yeah, and, and that's also in 2018, that's when I joined, uh, actually a headhunter found me on LinkedIn and said, I think you fit the bill as general manager for this new uh, fitness wellness co-working space. Yeah, and that, that's how I joined Core Collective, right? Okay, if I may just go one step back into mm. your, in 2017, right? I mean, to be the subject of someone who is like literally bashed online, you see all this kind of online comments, it's really quite vicious. Yes. There's like dozens and hundreds of them, right? I mean, knowing that you're a person, I feel like, I mean, you are very, you know, you have already experienced life to a certain extent and now that you're getting so much backlash because I feel like there's not many people who have the experience of like getting whacked online. So, I mean, did that at all even affect you at any point of time or you were just like, nah, this is like, of, of course, obviously it was a big failure, but how, how some people are greatly affected by, let's say, comments that they have about their social media activities, but mm -hmm. I just, because I have received a fair share of hate comments as well and I really, I, I will say, I, I got quite affected by them but after a while I realised like it doesn't matter but 
Yeah, what was the thought process? Because you have like your your bash essentially, right? So it's so tough. Like, I mean, do you talk to anyone about it, or was it more of that resilience that you have, right? In, in terms of like, no problem. Like, what conversations do you have with your fa- family, friends? Yeah, I, I think I mean you're right to mention the word resilience, right? Mm. So definitely resilient, uh, not. Um, feeling like a failure, backing down. Of course, they go through that period of uh, uh, feeling self-pity, you know, and you're feeling uh, like you, you didn't hold up to your end of the bargain. But it was really about uh, trying to, to keep afloat. Lah. I think that was there. And support structures, for sure, important, right? So family, uh, my wife was there for me the whole time. Uh, very close friends uh, that were checking on me all the time, you know, and, and just coming to visit me and say, hey, you know, let's... Let's have a drink, you know. Let's go out for uh, some food, you know, that sort of thing. Uh, it was, it was very definitely a tough time for me, and uh, it was also feeling uh, one part of me on wanting to leave the business, right? So, so traumatic. I wanted to leave the business, and um, also with that uh, misalignment in terms of vision of where we wanted to hit together as a, a business and a company. I think that was also something that took me a lot to to get over, lah. Yeah, uh, but it was all for the better because I put on hold starting a family uh, because of that year that of frequent traveling and uh, that big event that we were all looking forward to. That big successful event we were all looking forward to, but it ended up being a big major. Uh, screw up disaster at the end of the year. So it was like, you know, all high. And then of course, all, on the way there, there were many lows as well, but it, we, were, we were all aiming for the high. But, you know, in the end, it was really like a bomb drop, right? Yeah, so I think for me, it was figuring out what I really wanted was important to me and picking up the business and trying again uh, and doing something that I might not be 100% aligned to my business partner at that point in time was not something that I wanted to do. So I wanted a break from it all. And I think having a break from it all uh, was good. So, which is why some people, they, they have too much of something. They want to go on a fast, right? Social media fast. Or, you know, I don't want to be, I, I do this on a daily basis. I don't want to be touching it, seeing it or doing it. Yeah, so it's good to have that fast. And it was during that period that I realized that, okay, um, I've, I've, my wife has waited for me this 12 months and I think it's time for me to start a family. We are not young anymore and we've, all, we've been wanting to start a family for the longest time and this is the best time to do it, right? So that's when uh, we, that's, that's the reason why I left and exited. I think if you ask me what was it that got me over, I think it was looking forward to the fact of me starting something else. A new chapter. A new chapter, which was family, which had nothing, absolutely nothing to do with uh, my career career. and business. Mm. Yeah. So that was what uh, put me through. I mean, support everyone can have, but it Mm. was that, okay, that next thing that I want to do is fatherhood, right? Mm. Yeah, that's that's something that... uh, Excites you. Exactly, yeah. And of course, when it happened, it it was even beyond my wildest imaginations and dreams, right? It's even better than what I thought it to be. Mm. Because you wouldn't know until you really are in that position, in in that shoe. Looking back, looking back at 2017, right? What would you wish that you would have done differently when it came to, let's say, organizing an event? I know you talk a lot about, let's say, the misalignment between your business partner. Maybe if there's something you could share in terms of things that you could have done to make, to have strongly aligned your values with your business partner at a certain extent. Because I know, at least for me, in a very, 
I mean, I've tried out my fair share of hustles as well when it comes to working with people, being partners. At the end of the day, communication is key. Like, you need to be super aligned at the core reason of why you're doing it. So maybe if looking back, um, is there anything you have done differently to make sure or you would have prevented the event in 2017 that you went through? I think that um, there were many red flags in the year already, um, but I didn't... Uh, when you say in the year, because you're doing this for a couple of years right now, right? In the year 2017, 2017 was the year that I was actually 100% involved in that events business. The other two years that had already started, I was still uh, in hospitality. At the same time, right? Because you were organizing in 2015 at the same time. Yeah, but in 2015 and 2016, I was as a shareholder, oh, not as okay. a... Um, on the ground uh, employee of the company. Yeah, so I think the there were many red flags in the year 2017 that I did not uh, pay heed to. Which were? Um, there were already discrepancies in the accounts, the finances. There were already discrepancies in the other events that we, smaller events that we had done, which were... Um, some in the red, some in the in the black. But yes, um, financially wise, that's some of the red flags. Other red flags would be in the operation side, right? Or, you know, uh, hearsay side. So-and-so said something about, you know, uh, this other person. Yeah, and, and Politics? Not politics. I think it was more truth. Lah. Truth and facts that I brushed off as um, not important. What, yeah. what kind of truth or facts do you mean? Um, so this was specific to uh, the business, my ex-business partner. Yeah, which I, for me, I say, ah, yeah, it's, it's not lah. You know, not possible. I don't think so lah. You know, but if ten people said so, and then I still think that it's not the case, then uh, there must be some truth to it, right? So I was a little bit uh, lying to myself in that sense to make me feel better because there was somebody that I trusted dearly and someone that was uh, I was working very closely with and someone that we were working uh, to get to the end line together. And I think I was probably uh, clouded by the, the single-minded focus to get to the end line, which is finish the event successfully. But I did not pay heed to all of these red flags that were happening that... Possibly, if I I'm, I might have been able to leave or exit earlier and not go through the trauma, right? So, but you know, I'm not the kind of person that says I, I regret this or I regret that. I learn from everything, and I believe that something happens uh, for a particular reason. So, all of that happened, and yeah, I mean, I learned from that experience, and uh, I, I think that. Uh, it's good. Like, I mean, how many people can actually say that they organize a, an event with 15,000 people and uh, feel miserably at it, right? <laughs> so, <laughs> okay, okay, got it, got it. I, I think that's like, quite, I think it's quite important like, to, to, to be fully aligned and basically the lesson is to really pay heed to those small kinds of things where might, you don't you address it when it's something small before it gets very, very big. Yes, yes. And I think most of these were brushed off with uh, don't worry, bro. I got it settled. You know. So you never had you never had that kind of tough conversations to really go into what people were saying about, let's say, your business partner. I think yes, I did. But like I mentioned, that it was always replied with, "Don't worry, bro." You know, "Don't worry, bro." So that "Don't worry, bro" uh, 
I, I think uh, you have to dig deeper when it yes, deeper say. Yes, yeah. Okay. So that that's something you know. When somebody says, "Don't worry, bro," okay, it's a red flag already. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I, I think that's a very very valuable lesson. Yeah. <laughs> so okay. that's something to to be very very cautious of. Yeah. Okay, moving on to your time as a okay. I just want this section of this podcast right to just maybe educate users on the just the term biohacking, like. Pattern recognition is why I said earlier, right? Of you working with businesses and individuals, right? What kind of common problems do you see across all our clients, right? And how do you help them solve these kind of problems? Mm, I think that... So, it's not so much identifying the same problems with each client because everyone has different issues or different problems, right? And I think you're speaking about this specifically for Avantia Wellness, right? Yeah, um, people come for different issues. They could be sleep issues, right? Insomnia, you know, they, they can't sleep at night or you know, they, they, they wake up at 3 a.m. and, you know, they're wide awake, they can't go to sleep anymore. So a lot of things that um, are related to sleep, for example, or even low energy, right? Uh, why are you feeling so lethargic every day, right? Or how come I'm always so hungry, you know? Um, and everything has to do with, understanding of yourself. So it could be hormone issues, it could be a gut issue, it could be a lifestyle issue. There's so many things that are related. So it's about pinpointing and understanding where exactly these areas are. Some people do it on their own. So they do it by way of elimination, right? It's the same way as if you have an allergic allergic reaction, you don't know what it is. Okay, I'm going to stop eating egg for two weeks and then, okay, is it egg? No, it's not. Okay, I'm going to stop eating uh, gluten for, for two weeks. Let me see what it is. Or I'm going to stop eating nuts for two days whatever, right? So um, it's about understanding what it is. Is it the lifestyle? Is it the food? Is it the whatever? And everyone has different issues. So if you have a sleep issue, I have a sleep issue. Your sleep issue need not necessarily be because of the same issue as me. So that is why it's, it's more complex. So that is why uh, it's, it's fun also to do uh, what I do because then I understand or I know that it could actually be certain other things that could be affecting. And I'm not an expert in everything. But I know experts that will be able to address your specific issue. So that's where my value comes. And having been in the fitness, health and wellness space for these couple of years, uh, I'm fairly connected in that sense to know that, okay, yeah, I think you have this issue. Maybe you should be speaking to so-and-so. Let me put you in touch, right? Uh, but having that overall understanding or holistic understanding of fitness, health and well-being, I think is very, very important. And I mean, for you, you mentioned that you're skinny fat or you know you, you, you don't understand but you're still young doesn't matter there are people in their 40s, 50s who so-called can reverse the, the damage by changing lifestyles having positive habits and really uh, incorporating whether it's fitness whether it's nutrition whether it's you know being in the right environment to uh, understand stress levels uh, understand hormone levels understand the type of food that they should be eating at a different time of the day or you know uh, that is suitable for their body, right? So that, that, that is, a, there's, there's quite a lot of uh, data and quite a lot of science that actually goes into all of that. So when it comes to onboarding clients, you really go through the whole process of finding out like, okay, they, they might tell you they have a sleep issue, but you really go into detail into their lifestyle, their nutrition and all, all understandings that you have around well-being and possibly um, come up with a solution for that. 
which is customized to each and every individual? Um, that was the idea for Avantia Wellness when we started. Um, but our main focus actually is in red light therapy. So red light therapy helps reduce inflammation and uh, it also helps with uh, accelerated recovery, sleep issues and general well-being. But what people don't realize is that a lot of the issues that we face uh, is inflammation related. So inflammation need not necessarily mean swelling, right? Uh, you could be having a gut inflammation that's causing you to have uh, irritable bowel syndrome, right? So all of these things, uh, it could be referrals from functional medicine doctors. It could be referrals from uh, practitioners who, who are specialists in their specific area. So we are like a support service or a support structure. But at the same time, there are people that come to us who want to address a particular issue, but maybe... Red light therapy, yes, can help them to a certain extent, but they still need to see somebody else to address the root cause of that issue. Right? So um, that's what we wanted to do when we started. And um, we created Avanti Wellness to be a franchise brand, actually. So uh, pre-COVID, uh, I already signed a couple of uh, NDAs with people in Singapore and Malaysia to... Uh, buy the franchise or be a licensee for our brand Avantia Wellness but when COVID hit uh, they decided to a different story yeah, yeah keep, keep the money lah. so mm. that's also when during Circuit Breaker uh, three months no revenue mm. right uh, that's also when I pivoted mm. that's also when I said okay I think I need to do something on my own mm. um, and what are my skill sets mm. how can I continue to uh, meet my purpose, which is to help people, mm. help businesses, help individuals, right? Uh, using my skills and experiences. And that's where I say, okay, I'm going to start a consultancy. And mm. that's where, you know, Avery and Co. came. And with that, starting at the consultancy, mm. it was also about understanding, okay, what are the sort of services that uh, I want to be providing? You know, mm. what is the primary service? What is the secondary service? And, mm. and there's so many things that I like to do, right? How do mm. I uh, package it? such that uh, it makes sense to any person that actually comes uh, and asks me, hey, what is it exactly that you do? Mm. <laughs> so actually, okay, what, what exactly do you do? That? Do you, <laughs> what is your ideal kind of work that you want to be providing for your for clients, which are individuals or businesses, the primary thing that you, do you envision yourself helping people? You know? what, what's, that, what's the kind of work that you want to serve them? Okay, so through? I think it has to be very community-driven because that's my, my expertise and that's my passion. And there are many businesses in, uh, there are many existing businesses that are trying to add an element of fitness, health, and wellness. Or they might have fitness, but they don't have health and wellness. Or they might have health, or they might have wellness, but they don't, they want, so there are businesses that might have one of the three, or they might just want to add all three of them together, right? So um, how do I bridge that gap? And that's where my experience, my network, and my expertise would come in from a community building uh, angle. I'll give you an example, right? Uh, a client of, that I'm pitching, uh, not pitching, I'm doing a proposal for a client right now. Uh, they like my live conversations, right? It talks about health, it talks about uh, 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 retirement and all that. And it's all health related. And, and they said, can you do a podcast series for us, right? So curating specific topics um, and getting people interested in uh, the different verticals that this brand actually represents. And that is community, that is uh, fitness, health and wellness. So uh, really aligned to my expertise, really aligned to what I like to do. And it's really offering that value that 
I know I'm good at doing. I don't have to second guess myself. Mm. You know, uh, they've been I, doing it for a while. <laughs> and I think that that's something that I've always felt um, is an issue, a problem for me, uh, where I say, yeah, I don't really know this. Eh. How am I gonna put it down, right? Mm. Right. But now because I'm focusing on something that I'm good at doing and I like to do, mm. I don't need to second guess myself. Even if someone were to just ask me and say, hey, can we do an impromptu uh, interview or podcast or whatever, mm. it's not not a problem. I don't need to prepare beforehand mm. whatever experience, knowledge, mm. or facts that I know, right? Because I mean, you know it exactly. I know it, and because I know it then it's authentic, mm. it's consistent, mm. and uh, it's credible. Right? Mm. So that, that, for me, uh, has been the winning formula. Mm. Yeah. I apologize for this very stupid question, but <laughs> just fitness, health, and wellness. Fitness is like exercising. Health is like nutrition. I, I'm not even exactly sure what's the definition of well-being. Like, like, well, like is there a... Could you in layman terms really segregate the, def- the different definition of this three? Like when, oh, to be honest, when I first uh, read about w- uh, well-being or wellness, I-, I didn't really know what it was. So in your own words, what's the segregation between these terms? Okay, not a, not a stupid question, like JJ, <laughs> right? So, I mean, increasingly people are talking about uh, mental health, mental well-being. Right. Okay. So okay. mindfulness, right? Mm. It need and mind mindfulness is some people use it as an alternative to uh, mental health or mental well being. And mental health is no longer regarded as a taboo word, as a taboo subject. Right. And everybody's mental health or well being is important, whether you are uh, an employer, employee, uh, father, mother, son, whatever. Right. Or going uh, going to school. So that I think is the well-being part the wellness part um, is also a little bit more uh, mass market reaching because wellness also includes your beauty your spa anything to do with self-care you know uh, and um, having that uh, relaxation uh, element or component so that wellness part uh, is good because it then it increases the pie of uh, potential clients that would be interested in what I'm able to offer, right? So uh, let's say wellness, right? Uh, let's say it's a spa. Right? Uh, they're very focused on relaxation and all that, but um, maybe they want to add in some form of recovery, right? Uh, how do you weave that into the business? Uh, is recovery talking about uh, recovery from a surgery? Is it recovery from... Uh, Insomnia? Is it recovery from uh, bad diet? Uh, is it recovery from trauma? Right. There's so many ways to incorporate all of that in, right? And these three different, all these four different things that I already talked about, also already include different specialists or experts in that different fields, right? So how do you put them all together to make it into a program that, or whether it's a program activity or brand or business or product or whatever you want to call it, to make it palatable to the uh, consumer or the end user, whether it's B two B or B two C. Yeah, do you have a idea, a specific idea of who your ideal client is? When whether are you more satisfied with working with businesses or like individuals? Like, who, what is your ideal client? I think the ideal client definitely are businesses because mm. businesses have the um, a larger uh, impact, larger impact, and at the same time, businesses can engage you over a longer period of time. Mm. So having a, a contract of six months or twelve months, mm. and 
with community building, you're not going to be able to achieve anything in uh, one month or three yes, months, right? It's not like a Facebook ad campaign, you know, you pay a thousand dollars, wow, look at my conversion. You can't yeah. see the conversion in that sense, right? I mean, look at the way that you've managed to build your podcast, right? Mm. It took you many time. months and time, right? <laughs> yeah. So that is an eventual thing and podcasting in itself is a community engagement uh, vehicle, which mm. is why this is something that I wanted to uh, move into as well because I felt that um, uh, it definitely is something to be able to uh, share my, my opinions and to also hear other people's opinions so that more people can know about it. Yeah, uh, yeah so, so that's my ideal audience would be businesses. And yeah, right now it's a good range. You know, I've got uh, insurance uh, companies, you know, uh, banks, you know, uh, looking to say, hey, you know, we want to do this uh, wellness event. Um, and I, I'm not necessarily the organizer of, of this, uh, but I am a vendor within that event that somebody will engage me to conduct a particular activity, right? Um, even hospitality, uh, um, establishments are looking to say how can we add a fitness element to what we're providing uh, how are we able to add that fitness health wellness element to what we're providing whether it's with uh, staycations or whether it's with um, bringing in the right vendors or people to be able to offer that service and of course they can do it themselves but they might not get the right people doing it and they or they might not be getting um somebody who has uh, done something successfully already and uh, put them on the right track. The thing about consulting is that it's, it's somehow uh, you can't scale it as much. So I'm just wondering what your, is your angle really to just like build this health and wellness entity that branches into many different kinds of things within it? Or uh, are you mainly focused on just building your craft as a consultant to like really pool expertise from many different kinds of um, areas together? Or like, like, what's your angle? Do you want like a like that kind of big organization? Uh, is that what you're working towards? Or you mean client as a big organization, or my as consultancy own, as a own big consultancy as being let's say a self self sufficient machine, and you are um, just operating it from a macro perspective? Um, that's how I envision it to be actually, and I don't. So right now it's a one man show, right? I'm doing the conceptualization. I'm offering uh, whatever experiences, expertise that I have. But in the long run, I know that I can't do everything. So I will want to build a team. That's when I'll need to grow and hire. Um, and right now, I think my bandwidth maximum would be three. If I really work myself thin, maybe four clients. Um, and anything more than that. And Singapore, Singapore alone already, there will be more than just four clients that will want my service. I will need to build a bigger team to be able to provide that. Right? So if I come in uh, from a strategic point of view, I will have people on the ground or different uh, leaders within the team to be heading different things, right? whether it's a podcast, whether it's community engagement, whether maybe I might need to even add uh, SEO marketing to, to the range of services I do, right? But whatever it is, it is in the fitness, health and wellness space and I'm not going to be moving from this. Uh, this is the niche I carve myself. And the, the part on... So this is the main revenue source, right? I also have... Uh, I want to do workshops, uh, courses, masterclasses, which are specific to fitness, health and wellness, whether it's mindset... Uh, whether it's uh, community building uh, and that is going to be a secondary revenue source uh, or service offering. Keynote speaking is also something that uh, I, 
I'm building a team of and um, career coaching. So anybody that is lost, career coaching would be more for the solopreneurs or entrepreneurs, not so much the businesses. So somebody, maybe a personal trainer or a boutique gym owner looking for direction or being stuck, uh, not sure where to go next. These are the sort of people that currently I already am uh, coaching. So that's a secondary service. But with the name and the brand Avery & Co, my vision is to grow a global uh, community of leaders. So maybe there'll be an Avery & Co in Malaysia, Thailand, maybe in the US or wherever. And this would be from the network. Right? So I don't need to be physically there. It could be a close friend, uh, a contact that say, hey, you know, I really love what you're doing. Uh, just feed me with all the templates and processes that you've already done to build Avery & Co to how it hopefully will be in the next two years and they can just copy and paste and do that and yeah, they can manage that uh, Avery & Co in another city or another country. So that's why I, what I envision it to be. Okay, wow, that, that is very big. Okay, this podcast is like a, <laughs> it's like a milestone whereby you can really look back at where you are. Right? Because yes, I think sure. at, at this point you're starting out, to me there's so many things, like there's so much work. So, um, but I think, just a random question, like when it comes to this, these kind of things you're telling me, is it like, you have an Excel sheet, everything's all lined up. Okay, this, this. Uh, are you like more the kind of structured guy or like, like how, how, do, how do you come to clarify being clear about what I think for sure you need to write things down, right? So sometimes I write things down, sometimes I put them in my phone, but I have an Excel sheet, so I've got a time, uh, a timeline, a calendar, um, all the things that I want to do. Sometimes it's all over the place. Okay, it starts all over the place, but slowly as you move along, then you put the pieces in together and you realize that, okay, this one I shouldn't do, this one I should prioritize. Uh, oh, and, you know, I need help with this, you know, and that's where... That's where I would, uh, okay, I, who should I speak to, you know, uh, to talk about this? Who should I speak to to talk about that? And I, that's how I fine-tune my thoughts. And my wife actually is somebody that uh, I always bounce ideas off. And she's the harshest person. She's my greatest critique. Right? So mm. She will be the one to really put me down and uh, really say, this is terrible. You know, mm. going, you know, if you haven't thought through, don't come and talk to me. <laughs> wow. Okay, okay. <laughs> yeah. But at the same time, you know, she's mm. super supportive and she will, you know, come and check on me and say, you know, how's this, how's that. Yeah, so I, I think it's, it's that sort of uh, uh, relationship, good relationship that we have. Yeah, yeah a, very, a very strong support system. Yes, for sure. On that note of having that clarity, okay, we're moving on to the last section of this podcast, right? What is your life purpose and how did you get that? Was it something that you gradually found over time? Was it, there a, was it a specific day where you realized that wow, okay, this is my life purpose or are you still finding like, yeah, what is your life purpose? <laughs> yeah, um, I mentioned briefly earlier, right, that my life purpose is to help uh, people, people, right? And helping people is very vague, right? Yes, so yeah. help people in, uh, so for me, I had to break that down. Okay, what do I mean by people? Okay, uh, it's businesses and individuals. So that is my target okay. audience, but that's also still very vague. Yeah, right? that's vague. So then um, what, what is my area of expertise and specialization? And it is in the fitness, health and wellness space. So that's my niche. And so that is, I, I've added it to my, my purpose statement. And uh, what else, right? Um, so yes, help people, but you know, I can help somebody pick up his laptop and he dropped it on the floor. That's also helping people, right? But so it's, it's three specific things. One is helping businesses and people uh, seek clarity of direction. So that is one. Second thing is helping businesses or individuals um, achieve uh, targeted uh, solutions. 
So they are looking for something, they don't know how to get there. We come together to understand what it is and we reach that solution together. And the last thing is to um, targeted solutions, clarity of purpose and success. So everybody's measure of success is different. Uh, but whatever your success is, I will help you to get there. So that is how I am helping people. And through my consultancy with the services that I'm offering, from career coaching to keynote speaking to uh, workshops and courses, I am amplifying my ability to help people. So everything fits in quite in place if you... Uh, if you follow the narrative, right? So my purpose is to help businesses and individuals in the fitness, health and wellness space either to uh, achieve uh, clarity, you know, uh, clarity of direction, uh, targeted solutions, as well as uh, to uh, achieve or reach success. Yeah, so that is my purpose in life. It didn't, it's not been this since, you know, I... It's not so clear, damn it! <laughs> yeah, so that, that, is, that is clear. It took me a long time. It took me the circuit breaker to understand and uh, pen it down. Uh, had to do a lot of drawing, you know. Uh, oh, so you literally like took the time to really like organize it? Well, I had three months without revenue, JJ. Oh, okay, so okay. I had a lot of that, time to, to, to think and, and, and do things. Yeah, so circuit breaker for me, if anybody wanted to say... Uh, how successful was Circuit Breaker or how bad was Circuit Breaker for you? For me, it was something that I think changed, changed my life. Lah. That it gave me time to find my purpose um, and it gave me time to understand where I can meet the needs of the individuals or businesses uh, with, with whatever value I can offer. So some people, they think, okay, I want to help people. Yeah, but you need to drill deeper. What, how do you want to help people? Or some people say, I want to add value. But how do you want to add value? So you need to drill deeper. You need to dig deeper. And I believe that everybody has that innate um, desire to help people or even to add value, right? Um, but there are some people where their purpose is to buy a private jet, you know, to live in a district, tan house or whatever. It's fine, right? Different people have different purpose. But um, you need, if it's about helping people or adding value or whatever or bridging the gap between what or whatever, they need, you need to drill deeper and you need to be able to understand where is the value that you can bring based on your experiences and based on who you are as a person. Because everyone is different and therefore everybody's purpose technically should be different. Right? Your purpose might vary slightly in the different stages of your life but by and large, it shouldn't change very much. So I remember, you know, if I think back, even when I was a teacher, I, I really like to help people and I really like to get communities together, which is why community is something that I, I always say that is something that uh, I, I'm very passionate about. Uh, but I didn't know that until now. For me, at that point, it was like, yeah, I like to organize camps or, you know, I like to rah-rah people or, you know, but then what is it that, it specifically is and if you were to track back on from the time that I was playing water polo competitively to uh, my even until now I have been very actively growing communities engaging communities building communities uh, without me even realizing it but right now I'm realizing that hey you know that is something that I managed to do very well and I think that it's something that I want to continue helping people to do so community building strategy uh, is there are two 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 companies right now that I am uh, working with to build community uh, build community building strategy yeah 
Okay, wow. I mean, like, it, it seems like, I mean, you definitely have connected the dots backwards. Mm. But, okay, I mean, I'm right now in the process of like looking at my past events, like what am I usually <laughs> inclined towards to do? You mentioned about success being subjective to whoever you're mm-hmm. helping to achieve success for. Mm-hmm. Right? What is your definition of success? This is a tough question that I've asked myself many times also. Uh, and recently, a close friend of mine asked me, and I think for me, uh, it's really about being independent. Right? I spend most of my life, so I, you mentioned a divorce uh, early in my, my 20s, late 20s, and that wiped out quite a lot of my uh, savings. And with my different field businesses, it also has wiped out quite a lot of my savings. So, uh, and contrary to popular belief where the dark side or private sector pays better than uh, the uh, government sector, uh, I will, if you look at it, so yes, my, my, my monthly um, package was better, but because I didn't have the good bonuses that I had uh, as a teacher, my annual package was actually less, even though I was having a higher monthly uh, package. Yeah, but of course, different lifestyle, different learnings. Uh, like I mentioned, la, no regrets to whatever I've done, right? So uh, I want to build a comfortable life for my family. That's what I, I want. And not that we are not comfortable now, but uh, it's always good to have a magic number. So we have that magic number. Right, uh, working towards that magic number uh, so that the family can be comfortable. And once I hit that magic number, uh, I, 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 that is where I would say I'm comfortable uh, and successful. But um, this also cannot compromise the lifestyle. So, you know, I will not say that uh, I will sleep three hours a day, you know, and work 21 hours uh, just to reach that magic number. Right? That's not something that I will want to compromise on. So how do I balance reaching that magic number at the same time, uh, being able to spend time with family, being able to have uh, some me time, being able to get my seven, I get between five to seven hours of sleep uh, is sufficient for me at night. Wow, so, five hours. <laughs> yeah, so five is my minimum. Uh, on good days, I get seven and a half. I rarely get eight. Yeah, I rarely get eight hours. But yeah, so between five to seven, I think it's an average for me. Uh, so without compromise on that, without compromise on time that I will be spending with my family, my girl, my wife, uh, yeah, that is something that uh, would be success for me. And then I can like oh, sit back and relax. And yes, you know, I, that is success to me. And then I can not stop doing whatever I'm doing because that would mean stopping life entirely, right? So just continuing to enjoy whatever that I am enjoying on a daily basis. Uh, yeah. And predominantly, I would say it's a good balance between work and uh, uh, my professional and my uh, personal life. When it comes to like this magic number, right? I mean, is it, was it something that you aligned with your wife at least? Like what kind yes. of conversation? So is it like a, like a joint <laughs> conversation? Yeah, yeah. How, I mean, how, how are such conversations like... like okay? Like you well, guys come I, together. I, I think most families would have uh, joint decision making, right? Okay, uh, you handle the groceries, I'll handle the child's expenses, or you handle the car, I'll handle the mortgage, or maybe we pull together uh, uh, finances and this manages everything, right? But um, it was really about sitting down and uh, putting down, okay, what are your expenses? What are my expenses? Uh, what are, what's our revenue, right? So, uh, what is in, what is out. Okay, we know what is the the out. 
okay, so we need to maintain. That's where the budgeting comes in. And then what is the in, right? We need to grow the in. So how do we grow the in? These are all the areas that we grow the in and then we work towards that. Lah. So once we reach that, then it's considered, uh, that would be considered success for me. Lah. Uh, not so much about, you know, uh, dream house or dream car or, or dream career or whatever. Lah. So uh, I, I, I'm quite grateful that even before I launched officially my, my business, right, uh, things have been rolling in and yeah, I'm, I'm, my target for Aviary & Co. is actually two years for for the business to be very stable. Yeah, um, but I don't know. Hopefully, maybe I get there even before the two years. <laughs> yes, I'm sure you will, right? I'm sure you will. Yeah. Is your wife an entrepreneur anyway? Is she helping you in this or like does she have her own uh, My wife well? is actually an entrepreneur. So she is uh, a private jeweler. So she designs wow. and makes uh, 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 jewelry, uh, high-end jewelry. And she's been wow. doing it for more than 10 years. So, she, so there are two entrepreneurs in the household, which makes it slightly more um, stressful as well, right? Because then uh, income is... Not Are you guys as, competing with each other? No, 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 for sure not, right? So since since my daughter was born, my wife took a little bit of a backseat in her own business, but you know, she's still doing uh clients still keep coming back, she still keeps getting referrals. Um but wow, definitely very niche production rate for her has almost gone less than fifty percent. Um but yeah, we are we are comfortable. Yeah, but during the circuit breaker, uh, we were relying solely on her her income. La, so yeah. And savings, of course, yeah. <clears throat> I think it's a weird question, but assuming that you already have hit your magic number right now mm -hmm. today, what would you be doing differently than today? You mean for myself? Yes. Well, with... with um, what, You have already hit this magic number. Yeah, if I've hit the magic number already, I will be wanting to grow more businesses. Lah. Right, so maybe deciding where I might want to invest put a piece of my money in different businesses that I feel are important uh, or maybe more from an investor standpoint maybe from an investor standpoint or it could possibly even be starting something else on my own mm. yeah uh, what do you mean something else is there that clarity there <laughs> I don't think there's a clarity right now okay. right uh, you never know what what, what will happen along the way right mm. it could be growing a different department uh, with Avery Co it could be that's where the expansion uh, into the different countries would come in, or that could e maybe even come even before, right? So that is all something that uh, is is in the pipeline, um, or it could be growing uh, Kampung Collective. So we've been uh, my co-founder Andy and myself, we've both been busy with our, our day job, so we've been neglecting the expansion of that a bit. But um, we want to write a playbook uh, for people to actually learn how to build a community. Yeah, so the 101 uh, community playbook. And that's something that would be free to share. Uh, and it would be from all the data that we have with community builders within Kampung Collective. Mm. Okay, so definitely you're, okay, I can tell you're super passionate about uh, community building because like this, this was one of the questions they asked. Let's say you, if you were to achieve your goals right now, what's next? Then I was like, I don't really know specifically <laughs> what next. So I was like, yeah, interested, very, very interested to hear your perspective on it, right? Okay, moving on to this, this last few questions. Last few questions, right? Um, if you were to go into the bookstore and you were to master any three subjects, what three subjects would you choose and why? 
Well, I think it's, it's the same thing we've been talking about, I think right? I know. Fitness, <laughs> health, wellness. I think, no, it would no, be, it? I think it would be, fitness, health and wellness would be one, yeah, actually one they, yeah, they can topic, be together. right? And community would be another topic. Okay, that's the second one. I think the third topic would, could possibly be more of like a mindset leadership kind of topic, mm. which I feel I've got some value to give mm. to, to different individuals or mm. even businesses. Mm. So these would be my three uh, expert topics. Yeah. On the note of, let's say, leadership, the kind of books that you have read, right? is there mm. any kind of um, book recommendations that you that has made quite an impact in your thinking? And perhaps you'd like to share some golden wisdom of nuggets from there? <laughs> One thing I have to be honest with is I, I want to read a lot, but I don't read enough. Right, but uh, the last book that impacted me a lot was uh, Simon Sinek's uh, "What's Your Why?" La. So that that definitely was the greatest impact uh, on how I found my purpose as well. So even right now, when I meet people and they get they are a bit lost and you know uh, they don't ask they don't, <coughs> excuse me they don't ask for uh, any form of coaching or whatever. I just send them the links to say, hey, go and watch this. You know, I think it's going to open up your mind to to be a bit more reflective and just understand what really could be your your why right and then after that you you, you talk about you you see what's your how and you see what's your what and so so that's that's something that um i i i think is is important yeah got it got it that's quite interesting okay just the last few questions um Going through a divorce, I think, is something that no one talks about. And I think that's, like, there can be a lot more conversation about that. I think when it comes to relationships, to me, it's like a, it's such a complicated thing, right? Lessons from it. Mm. Or things that you would have, steps that you have taken differently. Like you mentioned about, let's say, things that you have done differently in ignoring the mini red flags that yeah. popped up when yeah. you were talking about a business partner. I right? think it's actually, you know, now that you mention it, it's probably the same mm-hmm. uh, issues, right? So um, acknowledging the red flags, I think it's, and sometimes when we are too uh, engrossed or we're too embedded in the situation, we can't see the red flags and it's friends or whoever close ones to us that actually can identify the red flags. But are there people in your midst that are actually uh, close enough and open enough to you to actually tell you that those are red flags. Right? So now that you ask that question, I think uh, in the relationship, there were a couple of red flags to begin with already, but um, always brushed aside, um, never really talked about. And that's when, uh, you know, it's, it just suddenly escalates and, you know, suddenly the, it just goes full-blown, right? So the uh, advice would be to acknowledge red flags, um, but, you know, it's people's change at different life stages, right? So if you don't have that, uh, you don't, you're not able to maintain that close communication to uh, change with your partner in the different life stages or to grow with your partner in the different life stages. That's where there's a misalignment and that's where disconnect. And that's where either party might stray. Even if they don't stray, um, because say, I don't love you anymore. You know, you're not the same person that I met. 10 years ago, right? And you need not even be straight. And the straying could be, it could be infidelity related. It could be maybe decided to focus on work instead or to focus on the, the child instead. And then, you know, the, the spouse just becomes like a warm body in the house, you know, that sort of thing, right? So I think uh, acknowledging red flags would be something that um, not just as an individual, but the people around you. Yeah. 
I have some friends at least um in secondary school secondary school couples maybe I can give an example some mm-hmm. of my friends right they get together let's say I'm not sure if it's like a stereotypical thing to say let's say but uh, let's say some girls who get together with like that um, the sportsman of the year those, those kind mm-hmm. of those kind of couples and and um, you talk about evolving as a couple growing together right? and naturally people would move on accordingly mm-hmm. right? so let's say let's say when the allure of a certain partners are lost and they don't progress at the same stage, mm-hmm. right? How would you grow together as a couple even though you're growing apart? Okay, that doesn't make sense. Um, how did you grow apart from each other? Okay, um, I think one of the biggest issues that we had in that relationship was um, I was not 100% myself. Meaning that I was trying to be somebody that my ex-wife uh, wanted me to be. So I wasn't 100% myself. What did she want you to be? So I'm quite an outgoing person. You know, I like to be meet people, my friends, be very social, but um, she wasn't so uh, comfortable with me doing that all the time. And therefore, I recluded, right? And therefore, I wasn't myself. Right? So a lot of the comments that I made that my friends made would be, hey, well, you disappeared from our life, you know, suddenly after the divorce, you're meeting us again, right? Oh. You know? <laughs> Whoa. Yeah, so that was something that, I, so be yourself, continue to be yourself. Um, and it's ironic because uh, one of the, the reasons that she, she gave when, uh, you know, she left was, or decided to leave was, oh, um, you, you're not, you you're not the same person. No, uh, no. She 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 said that she didn't like me for who I was. But then who I was was somebody that she wanted me to be. If you get what I mean. Okay, wait. I lost you there. <laughs> Come again one more time. So maybe maybe let me try and explain it again, right? So maybe when we met and we were dating and all that, uh, I was me. So she liked me for that, right? But after we got married, uh, she want, she she wanted me to do or didn't want me to do certain things and I didn't do those certain things. And I think that in the course of uh, the marriage, uh, she, I don't know, maybe she didn't realize it or whatever. She was, I, I wasn't the same me that she married. Lah. But that's because I was being the me that she, I, she, she wanted me to be. Yeah, and therefore, that was where the relationship uh, didn't work out. and. Uh, yeah, and then things got got uh, bad, but um, yeah. So the I think the the learnings from that would be continue to be you, even after you get married, and continue to grow with your spouse or your partner, so that at different stages of your life, um, you are getting stronger together and you're growing together. And you know, it's not like, which is why, you know, um, since you're talking about university, right, there are a lot of uh, um, guys uh, in university that uh, end up with uh, girls and the girls actually have their boyfriends in, in NS, in army. Right? So that's where there is a little bit of a different life stage. If you, so that's a relationship that I uh, that's an uh, not an example that I can draw. So with that different life stage, then the girls realize that hey, you know, um, of course not not maybe I don't know twenty percent of people would experience that or maybe even higher I don't know, but um, that's just an example. Uh, so different life stage and because of the different life stage, uh, different alignment, different things that you do, different things to talk about, and that's also when uh, the relationship would, would be strained. Yeah. 
hmm, I think it would be interesting if there's like an academic research onto the kind of uh, <laughs> thing about, yeah, about people being at different life stages and where they perhaps get together or break up. I think it would be interesting, but I think no one has done that. <laughs> no, I mean, I, I'm sure they have, I'm, I'm not sure, but you know, it's, 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 it's one of those psych- psychology, psychological uh, studies, right? And when we talk about uh, stages, also it's work, right? It could be new job, uh, it could be uh, going for masters or going to university or army or whatever, right? So yeah, all these things I think are uh, relevant and important uh, to 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 acknowledge. Mm. Okay, got it. Thanks so much for sharing that. I think no it's uh, yeah. I think, yeah, I think it's wow. Okay, okay, wow. Biggest regrets in life. I don't think you have biggest regrets in life. I don't think you're the kind of person, right? Yeah, you know me so well after speaking <laughs> to me for for this time, right? Yeah, I no regrets, right? Uh, although you know, um, I, the quote that I gave earlier was you know the regret of not leaving would be greater than uh, having left uh, uh, and regretting it. Yeah, so no regrets. Uh, I think everything happened for a reason. Um, and uh, if if I didn't go through the divorce, I wouldn't have met my current wife. I wouldn't be having my little girl right now. Um, if I didn't um, have that failed event in 2017, I wouldn't have uh, found my job at Call Collective as general manager, and I wouldn't have started my own business. And right now, you know, doing my own consultancy. Yeah. So I think everything happens for a reason. Uh, if you look back in life, you know, uh, I've only lived half my life or maybe less than that. So there's still halfway more to go. Uh, I'm quite looking forward to whatever lies ahead. Speaking of uh, your daughter, right? Okay, I think this will be quite an interesting thing. Um, the, the question I have here is the biggest lesson that you want to impart to your children, right? Mm. Um, if you look into the camera, right, to talk to your daughter when, daughter or son's daughter? Daughter, daughter, daughter when she's let's say a twenty-five year old adult, what would you say to her? And what are the kind of biggest? What's the big? What, what's one of the major lessons that you want her to really ingrain and carry with her life? Wow, she's wow. twenty-five years old right now. <laughs> wow, <laughs> yeah. Imagine she was, if she's watching this. I think that, I mean that's the reason why I do what I do, which is like just capturing everything digitally. So yeah, I think this would be quite mind blowing. <laughs> Yeah, I like that. I like that. Okay. Um, Sorry, what's her name? I don't even know her, her name. Her name is Ava. Ava. Yeah, Ava. Ava, so, listen to your dad. <laughs> well, how, how are we going to do this, right? It's going to be so weird. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> hey, really, you should send this clip to her when she's 25, okay? When uh, she's, must be 25. Uh, uh, up to you, la, when, when she understands, when she's, when she becomes an adult. I, I, I like what you're doing here, <laughs> you know. Uh, so, in when she turned two, uh, I actually wrote her a letter. Oh, I'm, are you like the kind of dad where you're going to write I hope year? I hope to do that. You should, so You should make a video every year. So Okay, oh maybe gosh. every year I'll make a video, I don't know. But I wrote, la, because okay. at that time it was... Uh yeah, I, I wrote I wrote a, a letter that you know I was dedicating to her and you know hopefully when she reads it and oh, she's older. I got yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so uh, a a really good friend of mine um uh is a creative director, so he's really good in art. So mm. um he draws a portrait mm. uh every year mm. for his son. Mm. So that is like his gift. Ah, yeah. So okay. for me, I can't draw it. I'm not very uh, artistically inclined so I, I will write lah. but doing a video might be something you I should do, do a video <laughs> <laughs> okay well, yeah. what would you say to her when she becomes an adult and the biggest kind of values that you really want her to ingrain um, from you wow okay uh, let me try this right now Ava uh, if if there's something that uh, daddy 
needs you or wants you to 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 take with you the rest of your life uh it's really about uh the relationships that you that you build uh everyone is uh, important uh don't discount every any person that you meet in your life and not because he or she might be useful to you somewhere down the road right but uh i think everybody has a, a different role or part to play in your life and uh I think you must also understand that you have a part to play in anybody's. Uh, 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 you have a part and role to play in anybody's uh, life. So, um, treasure relationships that you build. Uh, be as authentic as you can. You know, when I say authentic, it means to be real, to be genuine. Uh, don't don't get to know somebody just because you want to get a job or because you want to get his number or whatever lah, right or maybe someone wants to do the same for you right but really be as authentic as you can be as real and genuine as you can and don't discount any relationships that you make along the way uh, yeah so that's my piece of advice uh, I think that is something that I've managed to do uh, and I think you have that little bit uh, of me in you and I think it's going to possibly be able to take you uh, further uh, wherever you are in life right now. Hey, when you're 25, that's going to be 20, 23 years from now. I think I'll still be alive. <laughs> so uh, I'll be I'll be 60, I'll be 64, right? So I'll still be around. I'll probably still be working. Uh, yeah, so uh, that's, my, that's my message to you, Ava. Daddy loves you. Oh, damn. Okay, okay. I can understand it. I can understand it. Last few questions. What is the best advice have you ever received? There was a time in my uh, career in hospitality that I had to let go of people. So we were closing down a company, uh, closing down a department, actually two departments. And my CEO boss at that time uh, said that uh, you, you can't be you can't be, what's the word he used? I think it was something to the extent where you can't be, uh, you can't be nice uh, uh, in difficult times, right? Uh, but I take this the other way, actually. So the advice to me actually reverse my mindset because I'm a very nice person. I cannot be harsh or, of course, I will be harsh on people if, you know, they screw up or, or they are irresponsible or they got integrity issues but by and large I'm a calm person and I, I, I take the more coaching style of, of dealing with uh, people so I actually took it the other way and I tried to be as nice as possible in the way that I was uh, letting people go and I think that worked to my advantage so yeah that, that's, that's something that I felt was uh, something I couldn't do because it was a tough time and I thought that speaking to him would, you know, help to, he would give me a pep talk on how he could fire people, right? Mm. Of course, he gave me a pep talk, like, you know, you can't be nice, blah, 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 blah. But then I took it the other way and I did things my own way. Mm. <laughs> and I, I think that, 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 that is an advice that um, sticks with me to not do things that way. So don't stick to, don't do things a certain way just because people say uh, it needs to be done. Uh, do it the way that works best for you. In the way that's most authentic and the way that you're most comfortable with. Yes, yes. Got it, got it. What's the worst advice have you ever received? 
I don't have any uh, at the moment, but you know, if there's something that you have, I would have to say would be, you know, some, it, and it's not even to a particular individual, lah, you know, there are people who say just wing it, right? But if you don't, you can't wing it if you don't prepare and you don't plan and you don't have uh, anything uh, that you've researched for, right? Uh, I mean, for even for podcasts, you have to probably research for at least one hour, two hours, right? Uh, and do some pre-planning with the questions that you've done, right? So, yeah, because if you don't, if you wing it, you're not giving the due respect to whoever that you are uh, presenting to or speaking to or whatever. So, yeah, so that's, I would say that could be, so that would be my advice to anybody. Lah. Don't wing it, right? You need, you can act like you're winging it, but it's just like, you know, in school when people say that, oh no, I never study. Lah. In the end, oh Allah, how can this fellow got 100 marks, right? Because, yeah, so either he's really super smart or he was actually studying and, or maybe when the teacher was talking, he was paying attention, but uh, you were not. But whatever, right? That's, that's, that's uh, an example, right? Analogy, right? So, yeah, don't wing it. Uh, you can act like you're winging it, but please do your research, your due diligence and whatever and give the respect that you need to whoever that you are working with and dealing with. Yeah. Got it, got it. One year from now, what tangible events will need to happen to you to make it the best year of your whole career? Wow, wow. Well, I like this kind of future planning questions, right? I never thought of it. Uh I guess it would be an overwhelming, um, you know, one of my uh, ideas or ideals, right? Uh, even as a teacher, when I was in all those entrepreneurial activities would be to hire a team of all my ex-students. Wow, that is so cool. That I had worked before, you know, and, you know, they could be in different, graduated from different batches, but I know them directly they were directly under my mentorship and whatever and of course they're all doing different things right some are in hr some are in sales ops or whatever and hire them all uh, to my company and everyone is contributing and you know everyone is uh, so it's, some of them because they're close to me they call me uncle low right so everyone is you know working under uncle low and you know doing something uh, amazing right so of course whatever i'm doing has to be aligned with their purpose and their direction or vision as well but yeah that would be amazing but okay that's not something one year from now one year from now i see for me would be having overwhelming um proposals that i need to 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 come up with for clients and having overwhelming response for the business that uh, i'm doing and yeah uh I really am looking forward to training and coaching a team to be able to work with me and be aligned with uh, whatever I'm doing for Avery & Co. And to be able to learn and whether or not they stay uh, within the company or you know they go out and do something else on their own. It doesn't matter. But I want to be able to uh, coach and impart uh, some experience and some skills of whatever that I've had to a team that I can call my own. Because right now it's a one-man show, right? And I'm very much a team person, right? Uh, I'm very much uh, a leader in that sense. So I want to be able to continue to do that. So that would be my success. Yeah, for one year I mean, when you, talk to, when you talk about this, the one thing that comes to mind is community. Like you want to build that community. Yes, yeah, so it would be my own company uh, culture, my own company community, internal community. Mm. Yeah. 
Okay, Alex, thanks so much for taking the time to be on this podcast, right? If there's any listeners that want to reach out to you in the work that you do or find out more about you, right? Where are you most active on and where can they find you? Well, I'm very active on LinkedIn. Uh, actually, on all social platforms, I'm, I'm active. So you can find me on Facebook. I'm Alex Lo, uh, Alex Lo Sing Yu. Um, all my business account is Alex Lo and Lao Sing Yu, uh, which is my Chinese characters. On uh, LinkedIn, I'm Alex Lo as well. So you can find me. Uh, if I'm not wrong, it's Alex Lo Coach uh, and trainer or, or consultant and trainer right uh, on Instagram I'm Alex underscore low SY so yeah social media channels are the best to get me uh, I'm, I'm fairly active there got it thanks so much I'll leave, be leaving everything below this uh, in the video description if you have watched till this far please do, <laughs> do me a favor do leave a like comment subscribe as you really help me to create more videos like this in the future and yeah thanks so much for watching this episode and see you in the next one cheers man thank you